Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so before I go into everything, I don't know if you guys were there this Sunday night, but the prophet even said to me, you preach interesting messages. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, I was telling him about one of my messages, the one from last week, and he was like, you preached about Judas? I was like, yes. <laughs> so, you know, um, we're going to go into, do they have the graphic? Okay, me too. So we're going into a new series. The reason why we're doing this series right now, like, let me just ask you really quick. Like, what's about to happen in the world? Like, what season are we in? Springish, whatever Texas decides that it is. But what are we, like, what are some of us prepping for? Summer. I can't tell you how many times I hear, like, specifically girls, because I talk to girls more than guys. You know, and so they're like, you know, I'm just trying to get, yeah, I'm just trying to get that summer bod. You know, I'm just trying to like get ready. And if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so we're going to be talking about different areas and different things in our life about how to stay ready because it's not just about your body, it's about spirit, soul, body. Because you don't want a partial package, right? This is not about relationships, but if you took it that way, then cool. I was actually talking about yourself. So, <laughs> okay, we're all preparing for something. Like, you might not realize it, but you're preparing for something right now. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is, Are You Ready for God to Use You? They have notes. But I think that that can be, like, a really daunting question. It can feel like, like, my mom is kind of known in my family as Barbara Walters. Is anyone old enough to know who that is? Okay, like four people raised their hands. I am old. I'm just kidding. So Barbara Walters was like the main question interviewing lady. Like of my parents' generation, she was like the one that was asking all the questions. Like if there was a big thing that happened or if there was like a queen or someone that was famous that a scandal happened, it was Barbara Walters on the job because she would ask the questions that no one else would ask. And my mom's kind of like that. Like she'll be like, how are you doing in your heart? Did you read your Bible today? How, how is it with you on this, like, health journey? Have, have you been able to lose some weight? You're like, when you decided to eat that cheeseburger the other day, did it affect you? Like, you're like, I am scared to eat and drink right now, like anything, because I don't know. But, like, she'll ask you, and I can't, I can't say anything too in-depth because I don't want to, like, expose things. But, like, my mom will just go straight for it. So whenever I ask you, are you ready for God to use you, that can be super intrusive. Because in your heart, I'm sure, if you believe in God, you're like, yeah, I want God to use me. But, like, are you willing to do what it takes for him to actually use you? That's where it goes like really deep and you start feeling super exposed because then you start thinking about all the things that disqualify you from being used from God and like why he shouldn't use you and then like how you need to get ready. And, you know, like I've heard a lot of people say, I can't go work out because I don't look like I want to look in the gym yet. But you go to the gym to look a certain way. Like people are like, I can't, I can't go 
to the beach and swim because I don't look right. Like, like, why are you going there? Like, I don't know. Like, what's your motivation? I think we have a lot of things, like, people will say, like, well, I can't come to church because I'm not right with God yet. Like, you come to church to get right. Like, so we have this, we have this background thinking, and a lot of times you don't even realize that you are constantly preparing for something. Whether it's a meeting, like, that you have coming up, or whether it's, like, you want to meet the man and the woman of your dreams, or whether it's you want to get that next job, or you want to land that next promotion, or whether it's just, like, you want to have a really good day tomorrow, so you're going to do your night routine so that you can wake up. You know, like, for me, I was doing a podcast with my dad last week, I think it was, I don't know, I I don't even know, maybe it was last year, I'm just kidding, two weeks ago, (laughs) and uh, he was saying, like, what's your morning routine? Like, his was, he drinks lemon water with apple cider vinegar and, like, worships God and spends time with God, and literally, I'm not joking when I say this, (laughs) this was my answer, I was like, my morning routine is I have to stand in the light so I can wake up, (laughs) like, and my husband will tell you, it's true, like, I will turn on all the lights are standing in front of a window because I don't know if I'm nocturnal. I feel like I'm nocturnal. But, like, I have to get in the light and be like, I just have to wait for a second, you know, just <laughs> for my eyes to, like, be ready to see the light. I don't know. But that was, like, my real answer. So maybe some of you guys have to prepare to wake up. I don't know. But we're always preparing for something. And so have you ever, like, thought about, like, what's your process for preparing? What does that look like? How do you know if you're finally ready? You know, because, like, some of us, we think we're ready to meet the one, right? But, like, we aren't the one that would attract the one. So it's like, then you're like, I'm not ready. God, whenever it's your time, because, <laughs> like, you know. Or, like, we want the dream job, but then we're not equipped to actually, like, fulfill what it takes to have the dream job. And then we're like, you know. So what does that look like? Have you ever thought about that? Because you can't, like, Oh, I want to say something else, but maybe you'll catch on whenever I say this. You can't, like, half do something and expect to get an A. You can't procrastinate on life and expect to win. You can't, like, half kind of talk to God and expect to know what he has for you or to hear from him. So, like, we've got to think about, like, what does it look like when we prepare? Because our generation and below, which, by the way, Tyler said this, if you're 23, you're a millennial, but if you're under that, you're Gen Z. Sorry. I'm an elder millennial. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, but many of us in our generation and below and beyond, whatever, we're chronically underprepared. And the crazy thing is, is that we know it. Like we know that we're underprepared. If you like take a second and think about yourself, you know where you're unprepared. Right? Like hopefully like you're that aware. Like, if someone's like, hey, come sing on the stage, you'd be like, I don't have a song, you know, or like, I don't sing. Like, you would know, like, I'm not prepared. But did you know, okay, I'm going to just kind of read you some statistics because I like them because it helps us put things into perspective. More than two out of five high school graduates don't feel prepared for the next stage of their lives, whether that means college or work. Others of us are consistently uh, judged as underprepared by the people around us. Last year, two-thirds, and sixty, which is 66%, of hiring managers at major corporations said that they have no plans to hire brand new college graduates because they didn't feel that they were well prepared for the workplace. A lot of our perception has to do with how we perform. A lot of our perception of ourselves has to do with how well we're able to actually be prepared in that moment. And if you know what to do but you don't do it like in life and with God, you prove that you think your way is more important than God's. 
Like a lot of times in our life, we're doing what we think we should do instead of talking to God, instead of getting wise counsel, instead of getting wisdom on it. And we're putting ourselves in the place of God in our life. And then we're like, why isn't this working out? I thought I was prepared. But God knows the boss that you're going to walk into their office. Like God knows the employees that you're going to work around. He knows why that red light is taking too long. Maybe he's saving your life. Like, like God knows what he's doing every step of your life. And so often we don't consult the one who created everything. And then we get frustrated when we do it our way and we get in a wreck or we get a ticket. Or we walk into a scenario and we're like, I hate everyone in my job. But God wanted you to stay at your other job. Because he knew a promotion was waiting on the other side. So in 2 Timothy 4.2... We have this thing that's given to us, this, um, this charge that's given to us. And it says, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it's not. Keep your sense of urgency whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. We have to stay ready. And in this, you know, in, in other versions it says be ready in and out of season. But this season that they're talking about does not refer to time. Yeah. It refers to us being ready internally. To be who God's made us to be no matter what. If other people don't like it, if we walk into a room where people hate God, that we're ready to be who God's called us to be in that scenario no matter what we face. Yeah. And this verse, when it says preach the word as an official messenger, it means be ready to live for God and for other people to notice you're not living for yourself at any time. If you, like, believe in God and you've accepted Jesus in your heart, but your life doesn't have any proof of that, how are you different than anyone else? And why do you expect to be blessed different than anyone else? Why do you expect for God's hand to be on you like anybody else? Because the truth is, like, the word of God and the power of God transforms your life in such a way that there is fruit, there is evidence. So what this is saying is, like, live your life, not just, like, get up on a stage and preach. Your life is preaching. Like the, the things that we read in the Bible are life stories of people. Like if we were sitting here next to Timothy, he was one of the young guys, right? He was growing up and he's sitting there being encouraged to like not let people look down on him because of his youth. To not like think too much of himself. Like we hear all these words but we forget that was a life that someone wrote a story about. Like who would write about your story today of your life? Because every day you're living something and it's either proving God or it's not. And so we have to live ready to be used by God whether we like it in the moment or not. Most of the time, I know when God wants to use me because I don't want to do it and I'm resistant. Like, that's like the only time. Like, I'm never like, yes, God, like, let's go. And it's like, yeah, fire, fire, fire. It's like, yeah, God, I want you to use me. And then it's like, oh, here's this person you don't like. Be nice to them. Oh, what? Like, oh, oh, yeah, God, I want to show people your love. Here comes your enemy in a store. And you have a choice whether to ignore them, give them a dirty look, or to smile and say, hello. Come on. Come on, that's real. Like, th those are real things. Like, we want to be used by God with the, when the opportunity presents itself. We're like, oh, not that one. Wow. Wow. Swipe. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two main questions that we ask ourselves, okay? Am I ready? How do I get ready? Like, if you're not asking yourself those questions, I don't know what to tell you. But, like, usually if you want to do something great for God or you want to do something great in your life, if you're like, I want to be a millionaire, you're not like, I'm going to keep buying lotto tickets every day and it's going to happen. Like, you're like, how can I become a millionaire? Am I ready to be a millionaire? How can I get ready so that I can be a millionaire and continue to be a multimillionaire? And then you have a cap, like, you don't have a cap beyond that. You want to be a billionaire and then you want to be a trillionaire. And then you want to be the first gazillionaire. I don't know. But, like, you shouldn't put 
caps on yourself, so you should constantly be thinking, like, how can I get to the next? But I do want to give you some good news about this, because this message is kind of tough, and if you can hang with me, I was telling Mish in the back, I was like, this message, oh, like, it gets me, because it's, like, hard, you know, but it's good. The cool thing is that you don't decide when you're ready. God does. And the best way to prepare for whatever season comes your way, it might be, like, putting down the instruction manual, putting down your past and what you know does or doesn't work, and understanding that God's plan is perfect even though your preparation may not be. Whenever we find ourselves in a difficult situation, God simply asks us to use the tools we've been given in the context in which he's planted us. He doesn't ask you to find a way out. He doesn't ask you to find out why. He just asks you to be faithful in that moment. And you know, whenever you're getting ready or you're walking into a situation on purpose and you know it's going to be difficult, like you guys know like living for God is not easy. Like somehow we think in our mind, like I'm going to live for God. My life's going to be so much easier. And then like second day of you being saved or five minutes after you're saved, you're like, this is hard. I thought this was supposed to be easier. Let me just tell you something. It's easier of how we want to look at it because we have an advocate Before you were alone fighting for yourself, fighting alone in a battle, now you have an advocate that the Bible says goes before you. He's behind you. He's on your side, and he's preparing the way. And he already has the victory before you get there. That's the advantage. It's not that things aren't going to be hard. It's just you don't have to do it alone anymore. So when you get into a difficult situation, I want you to know it's okay to feel unprepared. But you've still got to follow God into where he's taking you. Like, whenever I first became the youth pastor here, I was youth pastor here for, like, six years, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. (laughs) Like, no one goes, oh, here's a manual. This will give you all the answers. No, like, whenever you get a new position, you guys probably know how this is. You're like, what do I do? Who do I ask for help? I need to make sure I don't kill anybody. Like, especially when you're dealing with kids. Some of you guys that were in the youth group are here and you're alive, and I am praise God for that. But I was like 23 trying to figure it out, okay? And so (laughs) I kept some of you alive. Thanks. And so the thing that I found is that God uses our weaknesses so that he can be strong in our life and our situation. So when you don't know what to do or when you're weak, that's the perfect ingredients for God to be shown faithful in your life. So if you walk into a situation and you're unprepared, you don't need to be like, I'm not ready. You just need to be like, God, I'm here. You brought me here. Take me. I'm, I'm faithful. Like, Holy Spirit, guess what? The Holy Spirit in the Bible, it says that he's our teacher, and he'll bring remembrance to things that we've forgotten. I need help with that because if you're ever, if you're ever interning here, you know when I'm teaching classes, I'm like, what's that word? You guys know what's the word? And they're like, what? And I'm like, and. And is the word. And it's like, <laughs> sometimes you get so caught up in life, you can't remember simple things. And like your boss might call on you. You have to get into a meeting. And you're like, what is this person's name? They're a big account for me. You know, you, you're trying to remember things. The Holy Spirit can actually help you. So instead of like pushing your own brain, you can go, Holy Spirit, help me. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> and like, that's what he's here for. But the thing that I've found in my life is that we have to value God's plan over our own limitation. A lot of times, like Moses, we're so focused on what we can't do that God has to provide a way for us to still, like, follow him like an errand. Like, okay, you don't want to talk because you stutter. Your brother, I guess, can speak for you. Like, he was so focused on his limitation that he couldn't fulfill God's plan in the fullness of what God wanted for him. Like, I don't know what it would have looked like if Moses was just like, 
okay, what if God can take away your stutter? Like in the Bible, it says like, I gave you your mouth. <laughs> like so many times we are, we are putting a higher emphasis on our limitations than we are on God's plan. And we're like, but I can't, I'm not ready. And God's like, and you're like, no, 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 no. And it's like, <laughs> like God's not going to control you like a robot. So you're just the one that misses out on the opportunity. So what can we do about this? Like, what can we do to make sure that we're in a place where we can stay ready, where we can follow God? Well, the first thing is examine your motives. And this is where things just start to get, you know, difficult for me. Because you may not admit it to yourself or others, but we all want to be somebody. Sometimes our motives are out of line with what God wants for us. Like, we want to be famous. God wants us to be faithful. We want to be well-known. God wants us to show who he is. There have been a number of times in my life where I've said this, and maybe you've said these things too. God, whatever it is you want to do with my life, I'm yours. Use me. And I'm sure that y'all have said something like, God, I want to do something significant with my life, something that makes a difference. And one thing I've learned is that God calls people to do something special when they are ready to take action in their own life. Many of us want to do something special for God, but we aren't willing to move. We're constantly going, oh, but no, oh, oh, but I did this last Thursday. Like, I mean, Peter basically betrayed Jesus, and Jesus was like, hey, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you a couple days later. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's just about us getting our heart right and let God worry about the rest. And, you know, David, we've all heard of David, hopefully. He was a young shepherd boy in Bethlehem. He was the son of Jesse. And basically this prophet comes to his house and, and you know, he's like, show me your sons. And he brings out his sons. And, and like, I want to just help you with something. Keep in mind, the guy who was king back then, if you don't know this story, Saul was king at this time. And the prophet, like, God had basically told the prophet, like, you're going to go anoint the next king. But there was already a king. And so it was really, like, kind of confusing. But the thing I want to remind you of with the context of the scripture is that Saul was never God's choice in the first place. It was Israel who demanded a king so that they could be like other nations around them. Saul was man's choice, not God's choice. David was God's choice and was used in many ways that we still talk about today, like thousands of years later. I love David because David was all about action, even if he messed up. What can you do to be ready when God calls you to do something special? You have to determine to be God's choice, not man's choice. We all want likes, we all want comments, we all want follows, we all want to be important, but does it really matter if you're man's choice and not God's choice? Because if you haven't noticed with Jesus, man is fickle. They loved him, then they killed him. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourself, or do you not recognize this about yourselves by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as a counterfeit? Whoa. So you can like say you believe in Jesus and you live for Jesus, but you can be like a counterfeit Christian. Because you say you're saved, but you don't live saved or act saved or have any fruit of being saved. So God loves you, and is it enough to just go to heaven? I don't know the lines. I don't know the gray area. I don't like to live in the gray area. I don't want to just make it into heaven. Most of us are much more concerned with impressing other people than we are pleasing God. We're so focused on what other people think around us and if they think we look cute and if we're doing a good job and, and if we 
I don't know why people put weird things in their bios on social media. Like, me and Cole were talking about millennials a couple months ago, and I was saying, I was reading him research on millennials, and I think it, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but it was something like 65% of millennials say they're entrepreneurs because they want to start a business. 80? Oh, I was wrong. But, like, think about that. That is our generation. We, like, want to be an entrepreneur. We want to be successful, so we say these things, but we're not living it. If you're looking for others to choose you, to notice you, to promote you, you are going to do things that please men, and you're going to ignore the things that please God. You're going to be competitive with others. You're going to be jealous when it seems that others are being used and you're not, or that others are promoted over you. When you determine to be God's choice, then you are able to wait on God with peace until God opens up doors that you have your heart set on. Because guess what? He put those things in your heart in the first place. Don't hijack them. Because the way that he's able to make those things happen is way better than what you could. A person who wants to be God's choice won't try to open up doors on their own. They're content with waiting on God and only going through the doors that God opens up for them. Okay, guys, this is, like, hard, so I'm just going to turn this way when I say this. If you are constantly promoting yourself in an area, why would God need to get involved? You want your way over his clearly. So many people um, are promoting their agenda and promoting what God's doing in them. If God's really doing it, you don't got to promote it. The second thing is, get out of your comfort zone. This is a good second one. Get out of your comfort zone. I told you this message is hard. Before we can move forward into a new thing, we usually have to let go of something we've been doing for a while on our own way or holding on to. God wants us to live outside of our comfort zone. I don't know if you noticed, but outside of the comfort zone does not feel good. And going towards unfamiliar experiences or people does not feel good, especially to me. Like, I'm like, oh, stranger, no. But we try to hang on to what's familiar. We wrestle within ourselves, and we wonder when these uncomfortable things happen. We're like, that can't be the will of God. Like, is that really God? Did did I really hear from him? Can I really trust him? Because God wouldn't make me uncomfortable. If you keep one foot where you are while the other foot is stretched towards somewhere else, you're going to eventually lose your footing and fall over. God wants us to trust him by doing what he wants us to do so that he can take us where he's trying to take us. We must learn to let go of what we have before we take something new and learn to rely on God in all areas. I don't know about you, but I've been in places before where I trust God so much in this area, and then I get another area, and I'm like, I trust God, and then I'm like, back then I did in that area. But I don't trust him, like, here. Like, maybe you trust him, like, physically, but you don't trust him financially. Maybe you trust him emotionally, but you don't trust him, like, physically. I don't know, backwards for you. But the cool thing about David is that he didn't go out seeking to be the king of Israel. The call came to him. Don't go out seeking positions of leadership and influence. If God wants you in those positions, he will open up the door for you. Put your focus on the things that God looks at. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, This is the prophet. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things the way that man does. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, because we know that man looks at the outward appearance, we spend a lot more effort taking care of the things that man look at. And yet, all the while, we're neglecting the things that God looks at. 
if we took a good look at what was in your heart today, like the status of your heart, what would that look like? Would you be proud of what's in your heart? There are things in me that I would not. And it's a very, that's what I was saying, it's super, it feels super exposing to think about, am I ready for God to use me? Because I know there's things in my heart I really need to work on. Now, when Jesse, the dad of all these sons, par parades his sons in front of the prophet, he's thinking, like, these are my best options. This is, like, the best of me. And Chuck Swindoll, a pastor, he actually is around this area, he says that it's the parade of possibilities. I think so often, like, man's choice, it looks like all these possibilities. Like, I can't tell you how many people in the church will tell me, like, I'm moving to go get a better job, but this is my family of choice. Like, that's counteractive. Like, that doesn't work. Like, you don't have a family of choice and you move for a job. I'm not saying there aren't jobs for people that God, like, calls for them to go work. Like, God has them go to a certain place. But you can't say, like, I choose this and I also choose this, but I'm not present for this. Like, like God, I want you to use me, but I only want you to use me when it's convenient and I want more money. So I'm going to leave that over here, even though I know this is where God's called me. Like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying it's all about Elevate Life Church. I'm saying wherever God's called you. Maybe, like, you're supposed to, I don't know, be friends with somebody, and you're like, you're annoying. And, like, God's put you in their life to, like, help them, but you're like, I'm done with you. So we have these possibilities, and we think we're choosing the best option because they look good on the outside. But what I'll tell you is every time something looks good on the outside, usually there's something lacking on the inside. I learned this when I started to date when I became single the second time, <laughs> which I shouldn't have done, but I thought to myself, like, I've never dated before, and, like, that was a stupid idea because the only thing that I got at that point for people that were, like, not married was, like, dysfunction. It looked good on the outside somewhat, but then, like, as you got deeper, it was like, ew, that's why you're single. <laughs> and some of you guys, you're single because God is developing, like, handcrafting that one, and you should wait on that. But what I'm talking about is the people who are not developing themselves. And it looks good on the outside. Like a job can look real good on the outside and then you get in it and you're like, ooh. So in verse 16, 11 of 1 Samuel, it says, Samuel finally asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Like imagine asking a dad that. Like show me all your sons. And he's like, are these all your sons? And he says, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out back tending the sheep. And then all of a sudden Samuel says, we'll send for him. We're not going to sit down till he arrives. Like, these are the older brothers. Like, I don't know if you know how it worked back in the day, but, like, the youngest brother was, like, the peon. Like, let's punt him around for fun. Like, he wasn't, like, important. Okay? So when, when Samuel says, like, we're not going to sit down till he comes, like, that's, like, he's important? I'm confused. They're, like, confused. Imagine that. Like, that one person, this happened to me once. I went to school at Old Roberts University, and uh, there was this girl that was worshiping. And I was like, that chick looks crazy. I was like, I'm so glad I don't do that whenever I'm worshiping. And then God told me to shut up, and he said he loved it. And then I realized that, like, the things that man, like, looks at and judges, God's like, I love that. That was a lesson. Okay, Second Chronicles 16.9. The Lord's eyes scan the whole world to find those whose hearts are committed to him. It didn't say who's the strongest, who's the most wealthy, who's the hottest. It says whose hearts are committed to him. God didn't find hearts committed to him in the first sons. He only found that in David, and that was why he was God's choice. Are you genuinely interested in promoting God's cause, or is it about your own cause? 
Because God knew he could choose David because he would promote and he would set up God more than his own way, which we know he still messed up a lot. A lot. If you, like, want to, like, feel good about your life, like, read about David. And then you can still be like, he's still a man after God's own heart? Oh, that gives me hope. The last thing is embrace discipline. So the first one, just so you remember, is examine your motives. Second one is get out of your comfort zone. The last one is embrace discipline. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11 says, you must submit to correction for the purpose of discipline. Sounds terrible. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now if you are exempt from correction and without discipline, in which all, the, all of God's children share, then you are an illegitimate child and not sons at all. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we submitted and respected them for training us. Shall we not much more willingly submit to the father and live by learning from his discipline? For our earthly father, or for we may share in his holiness... Oh, wait, no, sorry, I said that wrong. For our earthly fathers disciplined us only for a short time as it seemed best to them, but his disciplines are for our good so that we may share his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, which means right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. Discipline is not fun. I hate it. But it is essential for our character development. If you aren't disciplined, you will not have good character. Self-discipline is a fruit of the spirit that requires time to develop properly. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but you ever get into, like, a situation you're like, okay, can I stop being corrected? Like, I told my dad that once. I was like, dad, I'm so tired of you correcting me. This is, like, last week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was like, I'm so tired of you correcting me. And he said, I'm so tired of correcting you but I'm not gonna stop doing it because I love you. And I was like, oh. The Bible actually says God corrects those he loves. Self-discipline is developed when you do the right thing consistently. It may include paying off debt, not overspending, getting the proper nutrition and exercise, changing the way you speak about yourself or others, or even spending quality time with God every day. And as you become disciplined in every area of your life, you will be better equipped to handle bigger responsibilities in the future. I wanna ask you a question. Why would God trust you with something big in the future when you can't even keep up with your bills and when you don't even put him first in tithe? Like I say bills because they're a basic thing we have to do in life, right? But like to take it a step further, we don't put God first. Like that should be like a get to. Like I get to put God first. And then guess what? He provides more even for the necessities like bills. Why would God give you more money if you're not faithful with the money you have now to him? Why would he give you more talent or more ability or more opportunity if you're not faithful to him with what you have right now? If you're looking to be used by God for something special, when God is looking for someone that he wants to use, he looks for the one who's faithful in what they're currently doing. David was faithful when no one was watching. But God was watching his preparation for greatness. We too often think that our time developing in the dark is wasted. But think about a picture for a second. Back in the day, if you want to go old school with me, it takes a dark room. It takes darkness and seclusion to create a beautiful picture. So many times we're thinking, well, nothing's developing. Nothing's happening. I can't see any fruit. 
But when God decides to take you out of the darkness and develop you and put you on display, guess what? You're not half processed. If you have a task that you're doing right now for God and it seems unimportant or unnoticed, keep doing it if you would like to be used for something great. Because the pathway to that greater task and to that greater calling is to be faithful where you are. Maybe God's put you in a job that you don't like right now. Maybe God's put you around people that you don't like right now. You don't feel valued. You don't feel encouraged. You don't feel loved. If you're so focused on what you don't like, but God's placed you there, you're never going to accomplish what God has for you now in that place. Maybe God's put you there as the one light. Maybe you're not supposed to get light from other people because you are bringing the light of God. And you miss out on being used because you're so focused on how other people are making you feel. David was God's choice because he was faithful to what he presently was involved in. Second Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. This proper time that it's referred to is his timing. Not your timeline. Not how, when you would like it. You're like, God, I want it now. He's like, I'm not your genie. God is in control and he's working out his plan. If you want to be used by him and you want a fully developed plan, get into step with him. This reminds me of riding a horse. Has anyone ever ridden a horse? Yeah, well, when you don't get into rhythm with the horse, you just bounce around and get all banged up and get sore. Like you're galloping and you're like, you're like squeezing it so hard. It's kind of the same with God. You've got to get in God's flow, and things are going to go where you want them to much quicker, and you're not going to have to worry about the pain along the way. So make the decision to be prepared today. You don't need a diploma on a wall to tell everybody that you're ready. You simply need to stand on the vision and the promises that God's already given you. Don't let other people tell you that you're not ready for something that God's already prepared you to do. Don't let others' perceptions of you determine what you will become. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're not ready for everything that God has in store for you. You're ready, not because of anything you've done, but because God has made you ready. You just need to be willing to move and be faithful. So let's not have to constantly get ready and, and gear ourselves up for it. Like, let's get into cadence and step with God so that it's just like, oh, oh, like, it's just that next step because guess what? You're going to find yourself on the other end more well-off financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And you're going to be like, how did I get here? And guess what? The answer, whenever it's from God, is never you. Like, well, I just worked so hard. Of course you worked hard. Everyone's working hard. Work smart, not hard. God's already paying a price. He's already preparing the way. Why not step into the victory instead of fighting your own battle? Like, there's reasons why people like Gideon were able to kill 300 men. Because they had the power of God with them. I don't want you to kill anybody. But I'm just saying, like, you can conquer great things on your own when you're with God. I don't care how many people agree with your political input or your relational input or your spiritual input or your emotional input. If it's not backed by the word of God, if it's not founded in the word of God, it will not stand. So you could have a lot of people in your life that you feel justified by feeling a certain way. Or you feel like you're on your soapbox. I don't even really know what that means, to be honest. But like, you feel like you're like, yeah, <laughs> I'm right. I would rather be used by God and be blessed than be right to other people. 
And I don't wanna have to like work for my spiritual bod. Like I wanna be right with God so that at any point he can use me, at any point he can speak to me, at any point he can bless me and he can trust me with it. So I just wanna say a simple prayer. And you might be in this room and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe you're like, what does that mean? It just means that you're committing your life to him over to like doing it your own way. Like you're choosing his way over your way. And then maybe the second people in this room, you're like, I've been kind of battling like with fighting for what I want because I thought I needed to build it, but I need to let God build it and I'm just faithful as he builds it because you're gonna get a lot further with him, right? So if you're one of those two people, we're not gonna close our eyes because if you can't be encouraged in this room with these people, you won't do it out there. So for both things, like if that's you, just raise your hand because that's between you and God, but it's also in this room, encouraging, saying, I'm gonna do this together. We're in this together. I'm already raising my hand. I need God's help. I'm not gonna count. You can just raise your hand. Like, I need God's help. I wanna build it with God. I don't wanna build it my way. So would everybody say this prayer with me and then I'm gonna pray after. Would you just repeat this after me? Would you say, God, I want your way. I don't want my way. I leave my way behind. I accept your forgiveness. I believe that you are who you say you are. Be God in my life. I trust you, God. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every single person who raised their hand. God, you know exactly what situation they're thinking about on their heart and in their mind that they're dealing with right now. And maybe they've struggled with for years or months and over and over they found themselves getting back to the same place and they're not conquering. They're not winning. It just seems like they keep getting setback after setback. God, I thank you that you're not just the God of comebacks. God, you're the God who brings us all the way to the finish line. God, we don't have to strive. You don't want us to strive. You want us to move, but you want us to move into victory, not strive our way to the battlefield. God, I just pray right now that you would bring peace, that you would help us to to want to be in relationship with you, that we would see our relationship with you, not as a religion, because following you has never been a religion. God, it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way conversation. God, you're not all about rules and regulations. God, you want us to put you as a priority so that we can see you moving and see you working in our life. And the cool thing is you love us even when you don't, when we don't love you back. God, you choose us even when we don't choose you back. God, you bless us at times even when we're not even putting ourselves in a position to be blessed because you're just that good of a God. We thank you for the times that you've protected us when we didn't deserve it. We thank you for the times that you've blessed us and we didn't deserve it. God, we thank you for all the good things that you have set up for us. God, you're not waiting for us to fail. God, you're waiting for us to just be loved by you so that we can step into that reality of victory so that we don't have to look at ourselves as judged by other people or waiting to be affirmed by other people. We can realize that we are already heirs in your kingdom. God, we are royalty so we can walk with the confidence that you don't only have our back. God, you got all of our sides. God, we have the promise that we win. We have the promise that with you, you never fail, that you never forsake us. So even when people walk away, even when situations don't work out, you never fail us. Even though in the moment we might think, God, where are you? You are right there. And sometimes we're so invested in our issue that we can't see you. So God, I pray that we would see you like never before, that we would trust you like never before. And because of that, God, that we would stay ready 
to be used by you because you wanna use us every single day. God, that we would move our agenda out of the way so that we can be the type of people that our stories are told in the future to encourage others. God, I thank you for everything you're doing. God, we seal this word and we believe that as we walk out of this room, we're gonna walk out with a different perspective, with a fresh and renewed revision, renewed vision, trusting you. God, focused on you, focused on your plan, not promoting ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Keelacraft Ambrose.